welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you've tuned in to episode 202 of the show. I have an amazing, amazing episode for you today that I can't wait to share. So we're going to get right to it with my guest, which is Kayla Collins. You might know her better as Parsley and Pepper Online. She has an amazing series she does almost every night where she does Make Dinner With Me on Insta Stories. So you can literally cook right along with her where she makes family-friendly meals. It makes you feel like you can do it too. And that is how I initially found her. And... I am so thrilled to share with you even more of her story today. She suffered a very traumatic event at the age of 16 that really kind of altered the trajectory of her life and the way she viewed herself and kind of the path that she was on. And thankfully, she was able to get on a solid path where now she has a family. She has four kids. She's an extraordinary mom. She's pursuing a degree. I mean, she is just extraordinary. So we're going to talk more about her journey, and how she got to where she is today. You're going to love getting to know Kayla better today as I did. Let's just get to it with Kayla Collins. All right. I want to welcome Kayla Collins today. Hi, Kayla. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I recently made your stew that you did on Make Dinners With Me on your Insta stories, and it was delicious. So we're going to talk a lot more about the food aspect of your life, but online you're known as Parsley and Pepper, and I'm just thrilled to chat with you because I've loved cooking along with you online, and as you've shared more about your family and kind of your personal journey, I just became really intrigued, so I'm excited to chat today. Me too. Yay! So will you just give a little background on who you are? So my name is Kayla Collins. I live in Orange County with my husband, Matt, and four kids. Um... I have a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, a almost four-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old, so my life is crazy, raising all these littles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started Parsley and Pepper, let's see, it's probably been, it's almost four years ago now, and it started off because my friends were telling me how they only made dinner, like, once a night, and, like, it was always, like, spaghetti or tacos or spaghetti or tacos, and they, like, had a really hard time figuring out what to make for dinner, and it was on this girls' night, and I was like, oh, well, I, I actually cook every night, and they're like, what? Every night? Yeah. Yeah, they're like, how do you cook every night? What do you make? And so I started this Instagram, and I just kind of posted what I cooked at night, and um, it kind of, people tagged me in their posts and it kind of just snowballed um and that's what I'm doing today now I just I um with the start of Instagram stories it's been really fun because I started a make dinner with me series and um so every night as I'm cooking dinner mostly every night I um do the behind the scenes and kind of show what I'm doing you can hear my kids in the background you can see my baby like pulling out all my pots and pans but also you can see the process of how I am cooking these meals that I then post later on on my page um the recipes for and that it's not like 
that difficult, the things that I'm making. Um, and so that's been really fun. I feel like my um, Instagram has grown a lot just because of my Make Dinner With Me series. People, you know, have have enjoyed watching those. So it's been really fun. Absolutely. And I love how you're just incorporating people into your everyday life versus if you were an official food blogger or your goal was to do a cookbook or something, you would need, you know, certain photos and certain meal plans right. and stuff. But literally, like, you're just throwing together, okay, let's see what's in the fridge. What are we doing? What are we going to do tonight? And figuring it out. So it takes away that stress element. So it probably keeps it a lot more fun for you because you don't have that pressure necessarily of performing to a certain level. So much. Yeah. yeah. And actually, um, about up to about a year ago, I was trying, I had a website and I was trying to like make oh, this okay. a side business and it became like, like you said, this pressure of having perfectly lit photos and I kind of lost the passion for it. I was like, Oh, I have to like cook dinner and make it pretty. And oh, I just don't want to do this. And now that I have decided, you know what, I'm letting this go. I am doing this for fun. Like this is not what I want my job to be. And it's really fulfilling the, the trying to make money from it wasn't motivating me and wasn't like making it a fulfilling, um, hobby and helping other women, helping other mothers feed their family and getting that feedback. Like you have inspired me to start cooking and I made this and it was awesome. Thank you. Like that is what motivates me. And so it's been way more fun for me. Um, I look forward to it and I've enjoyed connecting with women. And, um, so yeah, the pressure is off. Like if I have, you know, like with daylight savings, it's always dark when I'm, mm -hmm. when I am getting food on the table. And so my pictures aren't like that great. Cause there's no natural lighting and I don't care. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I don't, I'm not like trying to build this empire. Um, so it's really casual and it's, it, it is definitely a lot more fun because I also feel like I am able to be myself and share what I want and not be worried about like, Oh, people are going to unfollow me if I share anything other than a beautiful food photo. Um, cause now I don't care. <laughs> like you can follow me if you want and unfollow me if you want. Like, you know, this is just for fun. I'm just doing this for fun. So. I, I think that's so interesting, though, that you were on the path of trying to do what you thought you were supposed to do, you know, do the official food blogging and the pictures and having all those ducks in a row. But when when the fun was gone, I really think that's incredible that you were able to be like, this is not worth it to me. Like, let's get back to what's fun. It's not that, okay, I'm never going to share the food again or I'm not going to do anything. It's how can I make this fun again and what was meaningful to me and bringing back those elements and getting rid of the rest. Like we all yeah. need to do that in our life from time to time. Totally. You have to, I feel like as I am getting older and as I'm maturing more, um, it's easier for me to say no to things and mm -hmm. to let things go and not, not try to do what I feel like other people think that I should be doing, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, it's been really freeing to just, this is what I want to do. And so then it's fun to be doing it. Also, a big shift happened because I went back to school last year. Mm. And um, so what I am trying to do as like my, my business endeavors in the future has nothing to do with cooking. And so I think that was another thing that allowed me to let go of it. Like, I am not trying to be a chef. I'm not trying to be a cookbook author. Like, I'm not trying to have a cooking show on, on Food Network or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. that's not what I'm trying to do. And so starting school shifted my focus and, and shifted my um, my, traje my trajectory towards that 
career goal and allowed parsley and pepper to be a hobby. So I think that's great. I listened to a podcast called Fun Therapy, and this woman was the, that the therapist was interviewing runs a very successful business, and the business is centered around inspiring other people. And so her goal when she woke up every morning is like, how am I going to inspire people today? I got to be on. I got to inspire. I got to be constantly doing that. And and in doing that, she really like lost herself and lost her joy of just being who she is and letting her light shine. And I loved what he said. He's like, you don't need to inspire anybody. Like, you just got to be you. And mm-hmm. people will likely be inspired by people that are like living their truth, doing what they love, sharing their hobbies and what they're passionate about, especially if it's serving their families and loving on their, you know, and bringing them together. Yeah. That will inspire people. But when your goal is to inspire people or your purpose is to be noticed for what you're doing to inspire people, there's burnout. There's burnout yeah. in that. And and so I think you're really doing that without knowing that you're doing that. <laughs> Good job. Maybe, what's funny is that my Instagram has grown way more since I've See? stopped trying to make money at it. Sure. And, um, you know, just been doing it for fun. Yeah. It's like the less I care about how many followers I have, the more I'm getting. So. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Who, who even knows? It's just, I it's know. nuts. Like, it's whatever. nuts. It's fine. I have a, I have a lot of new friends from it, and so it's been really fun. That's awesome. I love that about social media, the way it can connect people that you probably have never met in real life and may never, but the appreciation they yeah. have for what you're doing. I mean, like me, you know, I'm making your stew, and I'm, you know, making some of your recipes, and it's just, I feel like I know you, and I'm sure you hear that a lot. Thanks. So, That's what my goal is. I want yeah. I want it to feel like it's just like your girlfriend. Yeah, totally. You're doing it. You're doing it, and you're doing a great <laughs> job. You are. So I also wanted to have you on to talk about another aspect of your life that you mentioned briefly a few months ago. And and I'm sure it's hard um, to find a place to share, but I'm sure a lot of people that follow you and care about you would be interested in this aspect of your life. You had some trauma in your childhood um, that when trauma happens, it, it never goes away. And you have to be so intentional about the healing that comes after. And, and I mean, Caleb, look at the family you have now. So obviously you've done that, that work and you're proof that no matter what happens to you in life, you can still have whatever life it is that you want to write the ending to. Will you tell me a little bit about your growing up years and, and what happened to whatever degree you want to share and how you've been able to get to the place you're in today? Sure. Yeah. So my childhood wasn't bad. Um, I had one particular traumatic experience, and I think that's what you're referencing because I had um, mentioned it briefly. But basically what had happened is when I was 16 years old, um, my stepdad of 10 years, he'd been with, he had been married to my mom for 10 years, but they had been together since I was like five. So I guess they had been together for like 11 years, but it was this person that I really trusted. He was, you know, like another dad to me. Um, one day in the summer when my mom was at work and my sisters were camping with some friends, um, he basically made me lunch, drugged that lunch. And it was this vicious attack. And we lived out in the middle of the woods in Washington. And so it was like, we had no neighbors close by or anybody. I was very alone out at our house. Um, this is in Washington. Um, so I, I was drugged and attacked. Um, 
and there was guns involved and tasers and it was very it was a singular traumatic experience it was a lot different than I feel like a lot of other um sexual trauma victims because um I feel like you hear about people who maybe were molested for like a long time over over time in their childhood or um, you hear about attacks from women, like they're out jogging and this stranger attacks them or whatever. But this was one singular attack from one of the most trusted, one of my most trusted people in my life mm. when I was 16. Um, and I feel actually pretty lucky of this situation that I found myself in, in that um, I was able to basically free myself from the, the, um, he had like zip tied my hands and feet. I was able to free myself, grab a phone, call 911, and he fled. When 911 got there, it was like the whole evidence was right there. There was it was like case closed. It wasn't it wasn't an an issue of um of needing to like tell my mom or like is she gonna believe me or um or you know my my story not being heard or anything like that. Like this was this happened, this happened, the right. police came, all the evidence was right there. Um, they found him down the road, they arrested him, he went to jail, um, he pled guilty so as not to have to go to trial, and he ended up serving, it was like 12 years in prison. <sighs> Whoa. Um, and what I had mentioned on um, Parsley and Pepper before, um, the thing that you're referencing mm-hmm. to, it was the day where I had to... Um, talk to the parole board because anyways, it's a long story, but he had been released after serving his time and broken his parole, like within months of getting out of jail. And so, um, I hadn't spoken to the parole board when he was first being released, but after seeing him break his parole for so long, like so soon after, cause at first I was like, Oh, my justice was served. I feel really lucky that he got 12 years in prison for what happened to me. Like I, I let I am able to let go of that now. But after he broke his parole, I felt like this obligation to protect other women out there. And so I talked to the parole board. I had to have this conference call with them. And it was on that day that I just felt really prompted to say something on Parsley and Pepper that, um, that we as women are powerful and that our voice matters and that, um, it is okay to speak up, to speak your truth, basically. And this was before the whole, like, Me Too movement, mm-hmm. like, everything going on. It actually, it was, like, very quickly after that 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 happened. And anyways, when I had shared my briefly my story on there, I didn't share everything that I just shared with you. But mm-hmm. um, when I had shared my story on there, I got hundreds of messages. And actually, um, some women messaged me and said that after they saw my story, they went and confronted their parents to tell them what had happened in their youth, um, that they, they felt courage to be able to start that healing process. And so that was really amazing that, you know, it just goes to show you that when you follow promptings, like there's a reason why your heart is beating so fast to share things, even if they might be uncomfortable and, um, hopefully that it helped someone else. But um, to get back to your question on how I was able to um, heal from that experience and have the family that I'm, I have created today, I think that's what you mm-hmm. wanted me to address. Um, essentially, 
So I was 16 when it happened, and I was very angry um, at my mom, mostly. Like, how could you be married to somebody like this? Like, how could you expose me to this kind of thing? We had this very strained relationship. She didn't know how to help me. Of course, it wasn't, like, her fault, you know. Um, But I was angry at her, and it was a rough few years. And actually, what changed my um, perspective and what allowed me to start the healing process was I, um, I converted to the LDS church when I was 19. Wow. Um, so it was three years after. Yeah. And I guess just the, the gospel really healed my heart. Um, and it allowed me to realize that, um, that I was a daughter of our heavenly father and that I had value, even though I felt kind of like broken, merchandise I guess um yeah how did you feel at that time because you knew it was not your fault but what were what were those emotions at that time um at the time I'm trying to think back and remember exactly how I felt at the time but mostly mostly I felt angry I was obviously hurt um and my trust level like was out the door like I couldn't I felt like I couldn't trust anybody and like I said, I just, I felt like damaged goods. Mm. I really did. And for those few years after it all happened, um, I started like drinking a lot at parties. Like I was always, a, I was a really good kid before that. And, um, it was kind of like, well, what's the point anymore? Like I, I am damaged goods, like I said. Wow. Um, yeah. and so there was, it was a lot of, you know, partying, promiscuity, all of these things, because I felt like it didn't, I didn't, it didn't matter anymore what mm-hmm. I did with my body, basically. And um, were you even interested so, in trying to heal? Because did you just feel like it was too far gone? And so was there any attempt to heal in those first few years to get yourself back and your identity back? Or was it just kind of no, stuffing it? No, you know it? what? I am typically an avoider. Okay. <laughs> So I am I would, too. Like, push it down deep, kind <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. You know, like no, I don't need counseling because my parents kept trying to get me into counseling. Oh wow! Like I'm not talking to anybody. They don't know what I went through. Like they're not gonna help me. Wow. They're gonna sit there and say, "I know how you're feeling," and they don't know how I'm feeling. Yeah. You know, so I was like, and it didn't help that it was like teenage hormone. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. 16, so like I was angry anyways because I was 16 year olds. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't any attempt for me to be like, you know what, I need to heal myself of this pain. It was just like, I'm fine. Wow. I'm fine. I'm fine. And it was kind of, to be honest, it was an, a really embarrassing situation at the time because mm. everybody knew about it. My okay. entire family, extended family, um, people that I hardly even knew, like, you know, second cousins twice removed, like everybody told everybody. It wasn't this like like secret thing. And so for me, because it was so embarrassing that everybody knew about it, it wasn't this like, like it was not kept on the down low at all. Okay. Cause they kind of had to know cause he went to prison. Like, yeah, you know, he was in our family and he went to prison. Um, but because of that, even though obviously I knew it wasn't my fault, there was still shame there. There was still embarrassment there. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me to just be like, I'm fine. Okay, and I don't want to talk about it. Let's just, like, let this go away. (laughs) I'm a strong female. Like, I do not need help. Um, 
And that obviously wasn't true. Like I, so I buried down a lot of the pain and it would explode out at times when like I couldn't even control it. And I got really bad anxiety from it. I still struggle with anxiety and control issues. I feel like, um, um, in that situation, my control was taken away. And so I have this, you know, need to like control every aspect of my life. And that's something that I'm working on daily. So there's definitely still things that pop up, even though I feel like I am in a really good place. Um, so yeah, at the time, at the time though, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about trying to heal it. And it happened, it was probably about five years after it happened. I kind of had this like aha moment where, um, I realized that the grudges and negative feelings that I was holding towards him, this person wasn't hurting him at all. It was hurting me. And so I decided to just let go of that anger. Like, you know what? I forgive you. And when I say I forgive you, it doesn't mean that I think that what you did was okay. It means that I am choosing not to let it affect me anymore. And I am releasing that from my life. And after I was able to come to that realization, like, you know what? I, I'm fine. I'm not angry anymore. I have let this go. Then it, it was like this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders mm-hmm. and every aspect of my life suddenly became brighter. Um, Matt and I got married and our marriage has been really strong and he's been so understanding with some of my issues that have remained from the situation. But, um, I, I just, I needed to come to that realization that everything that I went through, um, that I'm releasing that pain. Um, so after that, I just, I feel like I'm in a really good place after moving on from that. Um, and it just took time really. Whoa, you are brave. Look at you. It takes, I mean, I feel like this is like a standing ovation, like Oprah moment. Like, <laughs> did you just see her at the Golden Globes? Like, she, like, Kayla, look at you. Like, look at you take your life back. And you are so right. And there's so many people listening who have not been through anything as horrific as you, but they've been through their own things that have embarrassment or shame or triggers tied to them. And they keep coping with them, not healing them, right? You have to heal the injury to move, to move on. And golly, you've done it. You've done it. And that is incredible. And I love that you brought up though, that like there's still triggers for you and there's still things you continue to, to deal with. And, and that's fine. Cause that's, it's, it's life, but it doesn't mean you can't live a happy life despite what happened to you. Right. Oh my gosh. You're amazing. You really, you really are. And so as you envisioned, you know, going from a struggling teenager who had this horrific thing happen to you to having a happy family, a stable marriage, what did you envision motherhood would be like for you? And has this impacted, I mean, it always does. Our past always impacts our future. How has that impacted the way you went into motherhood and how you've become a mom with four kids now? Um, to be honest, I was terrified of becoming a mother. Mm. (laughs) 
I thought for sure I was going to suck at it pretty much. Um, and why? Why did you think that? I just felt like I didn't have the tools. Like, I felt like everyone else had this great childhood and great experience growing up and had this example. And I love my mom, and I don't want to, like, throw her under the bus in any sort of way. Yeah. But there was, I mean, beyond the attack, there was um, divorce and remarriage, and it was just, it wasn't like this, like, perfect you know, mom and dad stayed married and had this like stable family situation. That wasn't, that wasn't my childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I just felt doomed to fail because I didn't have, I, I wasn't raised with the tools to be able to do it. And that's kind of forced me to figure it out for myself. And that actually is pretty empowering to say, like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to stop like the cycle right now and choose what I want for my family. Um, and so I, I mentioned earlier, I am a convert to the church. And so my, my family and their choices are, are way different than, than the family that I'm creating now. And so, um, there's, there's, there's things that I took from my childhood. Like my mom made dinner every night and I really loved that. And so I do that with my children um, and try to get that family time every day. Um, but like going to church every Sunday and, um, making their lunches every day and taking them to school and picking them up from school. I have this thing where I'm like, my kids aren't going to ride the bus because I had to ride the bus and I didn't like riding the bus because everybody else's moms took them to school and picked them up. Like, it's just little things like that where I, I feel like I'm able to, kind of create the life that I want. I don't, I don't let myself feel, let me, I'm trying to put it into words, but I'm thinking, I don't want to let myself feel like a victim to the way that I was grown, the way that I was raised. I don't want to feel like a victim at all. Um, and so I want to just create the life that I want. And what I love about that is that it can look different for every family. Like, Successful families all over the world, loving, thriving families look different. And Completely. yes. And I love that and I value that. And we all come in to motherhood and parenthood with certain things that we want to replicate from our own upbringing and things that we want to do differently. And we're all yeah. entitled to do that and empowered to do that. But then you also start implementing things and you're like, oh, well, that's not working. Okay, let's let's pivot. And and being an extraordinary mom is being willing to learn along the way. It's not about having all the answers at the yeah. outset just because you had it modeled for you or not. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I've learned the most, I think, since becoming a mother is that nobody really knows what we're Nobody doing. knows what they're doing. Even if they had the seemingly perfect childhood. So I was terrified of becoming a mom because I felt like, I didn't have the tools to raise them in a good way. Mm. Um, but really, like, nobody nobody knows what we're doing. It's like you just get – it's trial by fire. You know, you get thrown into the situation, and kid, each kid is different, and your situation is constantly changing, and you're having to adapt. So nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody. We're all just doing our best. Right. Um, Even people that look like they know what they're doing. Yes. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And some so people. I, I, I am trying my best and I'm failing a lot and I'm learning from those failures. And um, I think the thing about 
about me is that I am not going to like give up. Mm -hmm. I just keep going. (laughs) I don't stop. Yeah. And the thing about motherhood is some people really are inclined to do certain things really, really well in motherhood. Right. And then there's other things that they do less well. But the things that we notice are the things they're really jamming at and they're doing really awesome. Right. And so we can learn from those people. We can celebrate those strengths and 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 try and incorporate that into our lives more, not in a way of comparison or jealousy, but in a way that like we can we're all here together doing this and we should do it in an encouraging manner, not in a disparaging manner. So what is the best part of motherhood for you? What have you just loved about being a mom now that you've you've lived it with four kids and you've proven yourself, hey, I actually am pretty good at this. I can do this, even if it's my own way. What do you love about it? I think my favorite thing so far is just watching their personalities come alive um, and really noticing their different like their individual differences and how unique they are and just getting to hang out with them and get to know them and and see their personalities come to life my kids are each so different um and so that makes it really fun and they're really funny they crack me up like all day (laughs) so it's it's like really entertaining for me especially my daughter zelly is like the like she's just such a character and <laughs> so there's a lot of laughter in our house because I have these kids who just I think are just so fun and funny and we have a lot of fun and laughter together we have dance parties we go places we love to travel together and I just think they're really fun to hang out with and that's been I think my favorite part of motherhood is just watching them grow into these little people Mm -hmm. and how unique and wonderful they each are. Well, I think our kids really know when we enjoy them, right? Like, don't you know when one of your friends really likes having you around them? It's the same thing with our parents. And when our parents are laughing with us and, you know, hanging out with us and doing what we want to do and things like that, when we can offer that to our children, it really bonds you in a different way than just doing the to-dos, And for some people, they would, having all your kids be so starkly different and trying to figure them out and everything, that would be almost a deterrent of motherhood because it sounds so hard. And I, so that just goes to the point of, gosh, motherhood's about, so much of it is about attitude and about positive, like you view it as that as a positive and anybody else can choose to see it as a positive or they can be like, I'm never going to potty train this kid because he's so different than everyone else and it's not working and I throw up my hands. Right? Attitude is everything. (laughs) Oh, I do. I am constantly trying to look on the bright side of things. Yeah. So it's working. (laughs) It's working for you. So that being said, what is your biggest struggle as a mom these days? I think for sure it's just my own anxiety Mm -hmm. and trying not to project that onto them. Um, With motherhood, you can't control every aspect of your kids. Like, they have their free agency just like everyone else. And um, controlling them isn't like teaching them anyways. Mm-hmm. And I talked about this earlier, how I have anxiety and control issues. And so having to like let that go without without like getting super flustered and stressed out and like blow up on them, that 
has been really hard for me. Um, you know, it's like one of the things that gives me really bad anxiety is being late to anything. I am mm-hmm. like, if we're not five minutes early, I we're late. And <laughs> so having like kids, like when you have four kids to get ready in the morning, it's so hard to be on time. And that's like such a pet peeve. So for me, it's like <clears throat> having to let go of that a little bit, having to relinquish that control and like be okay with it. Um, that's for sure a hard thing. And one thing that I have learned to help with that is that I put myself in timeout. Oh, this is good. This is a good lesson. Yes. Yeah. Because I know it's not their fault. Like they're kids and they take a long time to put on their shoes or, you know, they take a long time to eat their lunch or whatever. If I'm trying to like speak them up and it's making me flustered and it's like, stressing me out in my heart it's like you know what I'm the one that needs the attitude adjustment so I'm gonna go into the other room and I'm gonna take two minutes I'm gonna breathe and then when I come back out I'll have a better attitude towards them yes Um, so but that's for sure an ongoing struggle with me is having to manage my anxiety while parenting these four individuals who I can't completely control it's just not gonna happen yeah I love that idea of of the timeout for moms and just having that distance from an escalating situation that can solve the problem right there. Just having that added perspective instead of your gut reaction, which a lot of times yeah. is not pretty on any of us. Yes. Like I'm a recovering yeller. I never thought I would be a yelling mom, but gosh, what emerges from me when I'm not getting my way is literally a toddler tantrum. And that's, it's not yeah. becoming, it's not becoming, but I get to choose how I respond. So timeouts. And as like the mature adult, it's up to us to model that behavior in our kids. Yes. And so that's the hardest part for me is like, I don't want my kids to act the way that I'm acting. So I need to like go adjust myself. Yes. If you're not behaving any better than they are, you cannot expect better behavior from them. It is unrealistic. It's absolutely unrealistic. So before we transition out of this, I just want to say how brave I think you are. And I mean, as evidenced by all the message you got when you just kind of open the door a little bit to that aspect of your life, of what happened in your childhood. People need to hear that they're not alone. People need to hear me too. People need to hear that there is life after that and hope after that. And there's help available. And so by you showing your beautiful family and all that you have going for you, knowing that this is part of your story but is not who you are, think that's really empowering so thank you for sharing all that I think it's incredibly inspiring to people thanks for giving me a place to share it yeah I oh. feel like it's not like a normal thing for me to just like by the way you saute <laughs> this and then let me tell you about this yeah, other little exactly. thing that it's, it's not that I am nervous to share about it because I'm I'm not and I think that that's because I am in a place of feeling mm. like healed from it so I'm fine talking about it but it's just not like something that comes up in normal conversation. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, where do I share it? How right. do I share it? Yeah. So. Well, I'm I'm grateful that that you chose this as the place. And so you have mentioned several times about your emphasis on eating as a family, and you do cooking together on Insta stories, which is just so fun. My question is, how do you get your kids to eat this variety of food? I mean, these are just, these are simple but delicious dishes that are healthy and varied with ingredients and things. My kids, uh, I, I'm sure you hear this a lot and you're like, come on, just try, right? Like, how do you get your kids to eat all this stuff? And is it just because 
it's in front of them, what do you do? Um, so one of the biggest things that I do is not to give them any other option. Okay. Um, it's, I'm not a short order cook and no, you're not having (laughs) peanut butter and jelly for dinner and this is what I made. So you can choose to eat it or you can choose to go to bed hungry. Okay. And a couple of nights of going to bed hungry and they'll realize I need to eat dinner. Um, so I think for me that has made it a lot less stressful too, to release the whole, like, come take a bite of this food. It's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Like, you're seven and a half years old. I'm not going to chase eat, you down. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. If you don't eat, whatever. Like, you'll go to bed hungry. And then, like, you know, that's a natural consequence of your choice of not eating. So mm-hmm. I don't get, I don't give them options. I think that's one of the main things. And then also, it's just become super normal for them to have these kind of meals for dinner. Um, just through consistency and like yeah. their whole life, this is what I've been making for dinner. And so I think once you, once you do it often enough where you're feeding them these meals, like I, I make what I want to eat. I'm not super worried about, I mean, it's not that I'm not worried about it being kid friendly. It's just that mostly I want them to, to grow their palate and to enjoy different flavors and, and to get different nutrients and things like that. And so, um, I just, it's just become a habit now and, and it's become normal for them to see, to see these kind of foods on, on the table. And so I think consistency and then I think not giving them an out, Mm. not giving them another option. And I think that's true with any habit really. And so many times, like if I, you know, am trying to, okay, this is your only option after two days of them, you know, putting up a fight about it, I give in and it's back to cereal for them. Well, I just undid any of the progress that we just made. You know, if you're working towards anything with your children of independence or, you know, a change in behavior or something, as soon as you slide back into your old ways, you're undoing it. Habits take a while to stick. And so your kids are used to this. They've been doing this for as long as they can remember. So it's not like you just sprung sweet potato enchiladas on them overnight. Right. This is just how it is. And so if you're looking to make a transition, you know, stick with it. Don't give up and backslide when you get a little pushback, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one of the other things is that I make sure that what I'm making – they should like, like most people would like it. It's not like I'm trying to give them, you know, minced liver and, you know, raw Brussels sprouts or something. Like I'm not like, I'm not not crazy things. Yeah. Crazy things. Like (laughs) kids like sweet potatoes. That was one of the first things that we like feed our babies, like jarred sweet potatoes, you know? And so I think, you know, just remembering that like, they're just tiny little people. They're not like this whole different breed of of human like they're tiny people and they have the same kind of taste buds as we do maybe maybe you know they like a slightly more bland stuff so like I make sure I don't make super spicy things or things with like a super strong pungent like flavor but if it's if I taste it and it's like something that most people would like if I set it in front of like any of my friends or anybody that I know and they would like it then my kids should like it too. Right. So I love that. I think that's perfect. What are some of your favorite things to make for them? I know that these are all original recipes, oftentimes very much off the cuff at night. But are there some regulars in your house that you love making and that your kids really enjoy? 
I think um, one of the major hits, and this might surprise you, is my coconut curry. Really? That does surprise yeah, me. Coconut curry, chicken and rice. My kids always devour that. Um, that's always a big hit. Um, I don't make it spicy, and so it has like a sweet flavor to it, and they really love it. Um, they also really like my mom's homemade mac and cheese recipe, which mm. I posted. Because um, what kid doesn't like mac and cheese? Basically anything with like chicken and rice. Right. Like any of that combination. Chicken, chicken and pasta, and chicken and rice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they love it. So I don't even know if they could tell you like what my their favorite thing that I make is. Um, but mostly when they ask what's for dinner, I'm like, you know, I'll tell them chicken and rice or chicken and pasta or you know meat and they don't have to know what else it is yeah (laughs) I give them the basics of like what it is without being like it's coconut curry because then they'll be like I don't like coconut or what's curry you know like it's chicken and rice they're like oh I love this dinner you know that's a great point yeah keep it simple for the things that you know they will like or like you know, chicken and black beans. Like, my kids love beans. So anything time I can, like, incorporate some type of bean that they can dip chips in, like. Yes. Okay, hold on. For me, if I add sour cream to their plate, then it's, like, automatically a hit. If they yes. dip it in sour cream, they're, like, super happy. That's fine. Like, I had gelatas last night. They loved them because I put a big dollop of sour cream on there, and so then they would just dip it in the sour cream. And they were super cool. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that so much. And so you also mentioned that you recently went back to school. What are these things like your blog and cooking with me and going back to school? What has that done for your confidence and your identity and – how does this all play into who you are and who you're wanting to become? It's been so fulfilling to be able to go back to school. Um, when I was younger, like before I got married, I had these mm, huge goals. Like I am going to be this corporate like CEO. This is when I was like 14, 15. Like I just wanted to be this high-powered career woman. Like I wasn't going to have kids. Um, and obviously that has changed, but, um, I love, so I love staying home with my kids, but I also know that I need something more than that. I need something that, um, is like just for, for me, I guess. Um, and it's also been a major goal of mine to go back to school because we got pregnant with, um, our first child when I was in the middle of school and so I didn't go back. Um, so it's just been really awesome to have something that I'm, that I'm progressing towards and a goal that I'm working towards and to have, have it just be mine. Mm -hmm. Um, it has really given me a sense of pride and accomplishment of what I'm doing. The thing about motherhood is you don't really get the payoff of, of the work that you're putting in until they're adults and they're like these good humans that's the payoff (laughs) I feel like of all of the trenches that we're in right now of raising these little kids you don't get that for years down the road and so this has been really fun because it's like instant gratification you know like I got an A in that class this is awesome I've never really thought about um, that way that is exactly right because you do need those little intermittent yeah boosts of evaluation self-evaluation and stuff seeing yeah I am moving forward in life and I am doing a good job yeah. Yeah. Our teeny tiny evaluators don't give us very good critiques very, very often, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. Not so much. Um, and it's just been like this 
this thing for me in my head, like I need to have a bachelor's like in my life. I need that degree because I was always like really smart, a student. I, I got into a really good college and then I just put that all aside hmm. to, to have children. And I have loved being their mom and being a stay at home mom for them. But there's just this sense of like, I'm selling myself short if I don't complete my education. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to be done with my degree by the time my youngest Thatcher is in kindergarten and all my kids are in school all day. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like I want something to do while they're at school all day. I want to have, have this, you know, part-time thing that I'm able to do while they're gone all day. Um, so that's, that's kind of my goal is just to finish in the next couple of years so that, so that I'm, I'm done when they're all at school and I'm still able to be a stay at home mom. But then I also have this thing that makes me happy and fulfills me and, um, is a passion of mine. And so, and that's yeah. interior design, right? You're going to school for interior design? Interior design, yeah. Awesome. I'm getting my BFA right now. Oh, that's so awesome. Good for you. I love that so much. How has motherhood changed you as a person? You set out into motherhood thinking and wondering if you were even going to be good at it. And now look at you. How has it changed the way that you view yourself as a person? I think it has totally transformed who I am. It Motherhood takes away all of your selfish um, inclinations. So it has it, it has been a major growth experience and it has allowed me to kind of break from my adolescent like you know just worrying about myself tendencies to now as I'm growing in this role to realize that that um, it's not always going to be about me and then I need to like focus on them and their well-being. And so I think it's important as, as women that we do take that time for ourselves and to not feel guilty about it when we, when we need that time. But then I just, I just think motherhood inherently is going to make you not be so selfish Mm -hmm. as a person, because I feel like all humans have that tendency to like, you know, it's like, I need to survive. And now it's like, be, all of your energy is focused on keeping these little people alive. And um, so I think that's been the biggest growth experience for me. It's really changed me to focus on other people more. Yeah. And I love that there's so much life left for all of us to live with that type of mentality. You know, mm-hmm. like the selfish thing is very compartmentalized. And then here you have this transformed version of yourself through motherhood. And now you get to go out and do whatever you want in this world, motherhood or otherwise, with just a way more broad view of how you can contribute and serve others. Yeah. And I think only good things can come from that. For sure. Amazing. Yeah. Kayla, this has been such a delightful conversation. You are wise beyond your years. I just could talk to you all day. Where can people find you online if they want to follow along? I am at Parsley and Pepper on Instagram and that's pretty much my only platform that I update. That's so smart. <laughs> you can also find me at <laughs> Kayla Collins Interiors. That's my um, interior design page. Awesome. And if you feel like being bombarded with a million pictures of my kids, I'm at Kayla 
Collins underscore underscore underscore. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Like personal one. We'll, we'll link to everything in the show notes because yeah. I'll never remember all that. But that'll, that'll be on extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Parsley and pepper is okay. my Perfect. Perfect. So, Kayla, I always ask my guests just one final question and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? You can do it. You can do hard things. And um, not only can you do hard things, but you can be great at it. Mm. And to, to believe in yourself and know that everything that you need is already within you. Mm. I could not agree more. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing with us the lessons you've learned through motherhood. You are truly an extraordinary person and an extraordinary mom. Thank Thank you you. so much. Have a great day. Thanks. So I know your next step is to go to your Instagram and follow Parsley and Pepper. Isn't Kayla so awesome? You are going to love her Make Dinner With Me series. You're going to love her recipes. You're going to love her approach to life. And it's just more of what you heard on today's show. I feel so honored that she chose the Extraordinary Moms podcast as the place to share the story that she's never opened up with to that extent. It is so critical to share our stories, especially after a time where the healing has taken place. And like she said, she's not nervous or ashamed to talk about it because she's done the work. She's done the healing part. And yes, there are still triggers and yes, there's still impacts and effects from that event in her life, but it doesn't take away from the fact that she can create whatever narrative she wants going forward. She can create whatever ending to the story that she wants and she is doing it. I'm so proud of you, Kayla. Thank you for sharing with such vulnerability and courage. Follow Kayla on Instagram at Parsley and Pepper. Follow along with her. Try that beef stew recipe. You can go to one of the photos um, in her gallery to get that recipe. She always posts the recipe in the comments section, just so you know. What a fun episode this was today. I am so inspired and encouraged by what she shared. If you're new around here, I want to welcome you to the podcast. We have a lot of episodes for you to dig through. So if you liked what you heard today, dig back through and see if there's other episodes, people, or topics that might resonate with you as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. And then everything we talked about today, pictures of Kayla and her family, links to her social media, will all be at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Thank you so, so much for tuning into the podcast today. It is such a pleasure to bring you these episodes every week. On Friday, we have a mom of the month award episode yay i'm so excited to bring that back we haven't done one since november which is super crazy but just because of the holidays and everything we haven't so i'm super pumped to do that so make sure you're nominating thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom bye